You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Welcome, welcome for all of you watching online. Hey, good morning to you as well. From our friends in Louisiana, our friends in Mineral Wells, our friends in Abilene, friends from across the pond in the place that we uh, rejected and fought against for our freedom. We're still glad to have you. I've got a British cameraman who looks at me. <laughs> we love you as well. God, God loves you in spite of all you've done. I'm just kidding. Mark chapter five is where we're gonna go. I wanna invite you as we're turning there uh, to a couple of things. Number one, a Beast Feast is coming up Friday. May 13th, if you wonder why that woo is coming up, it's because this is for guys and guys only, or for guys, pe- people that identify as guys, because apparently that's a thing. So we, we, well, we can't say that, this is a second service. What are you talking about? So uh, men, this night is for you. We're giving away a full wheel, we're giving away guns. We've got six alligators we brought in from Louisiana, and we've wrapped them in bacon, and we're gonna smoke them just so you can eat them and say you ate bacon-wrapped smoked alligator. It's a thing. You'll enjoy it. It tastes like chicken wrapped in bacon, which is also a good thing. So uh, we want you to be a part of that. HighRidgeLV.com slash events is the way that you get in touch with all the details for that. Um, Ladies, invite your husband, invite your boyfriends, invite them both. We'll see what happens. It'll be amazing time. (laughs) We'll figure it out. So uh, let's keep on going with our series. Mark chapter five. Our series is called If We're Being honest. So this is all about the power of honesty in the interactions of Jesus. So Jesus does amazing miracles. He does wonderful things over and over and over again. And one of the recurring themes that we see through the process of Jesus doing the miraculous is something that we don't talk about a lot, something that we avoid, something that we look past, that we say it's not that big of a deal. And that's that word honesty. Honesty. Jesus will ask questions of people and give them a chance to lie to him or to be honest and transparent. And in this process that what we're picking up from the interactions with Jesus, we see how honesty opens the door to the miraculous. Now, honesty is a big deal for us. And if we're gonna say it correctly, honesty and embarrassment are hard hurdles for Christians, hard. It's difficult for us to get past that place where we're willing to risk embarrassment. We're willing to risk what happens if people know It's a big deal for us to get past that false charade that we put up in front of people thinking that I don't have to be honest with them and Jesus can still help me. I want you to recognize the power of honesty in our interactions with Jesus and in our faith walk. It's something that we need to be uh, really mindful of over the past two and a half years that we're seeing kind of the mental health kind of come to to, to fruition honesty about where we are and what we're walking through, what we're feeling, what we're, walk, what we're understanding, where we're at. Honesty really helps to unlock some powerful interactions with Jesus, and it will help you to have a powerful interaction with him as well. It's honesty. Honesty. So in Mark chapter 5, uh, we know this story as the woman with the issue of blood. Now, uh, Jesus has cast out demons that, have, that has terrorized a group of people for a long time. And when people hear the story of Jesus casting out a demon, he's also just raised Lazarus from the dead. Crowds of people are pressing around him. Lots of people are coming out to see Jesus, to, to watch the show, to catch the free meal. Huge crowds, and people are pressing in around him. People are touching Jesus, but one particular lady presses in with faith and gets healed. 
And so we pick this up in Mark chapter five. This story is only recorded in two gospels. And Luke, the Dr. Luke, he kind of just gives the highlighted version. But Mark, Mark gives the deets. Mark gets like three beers too intimate. Like he gets, he gets into the weeds. Like, do we need to know all that? But, he, but here's what he says. Look at this. Mark chapter five, starting in verse 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Somebody say 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. You ever had a situation that goes from bad to worse? And it's important that we see the number 12 because we're going to come back to that in just a few moments. Now, notice this in the story that Jesus is not just staying around the crowd, but he's actually passing through. He's going to the house of Jairus. Jairus was a man who came to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick. She's going to die. I need you to come. I need you to heal my daughter. And Jesus is on his way to heal this little girl who, by the way, is 12 years old. As he's passing by, as the people are crowding in around him, this woman reaches out and touches this, this hem of his garment. Pick this up, and it says, uh, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Now, if you were raised in Pentecostal or Assembly of God Church, there are lots of songs written about if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And before I knew what a lot of things were, I knew what the hem of a garment was because I was raised there. Anybody else raised that way? Yeah, I noticed that because as soon as I say, you know, would you raise your hand, you raise both hands. Like, that's how we know. <laughs> the rest of you, like Baptists, you only raise your hand when you're voting a pastor out. So, <laughs> but either way, you're going you're gonna to raise your hand at something. So, the hem of his garment. She presses through. She touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And look what happens. She says, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And immediately her bleeding stops and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Who touched me? And by the way, remember at the very beginning of this chapter, it tells us that lots of people were touching Jesus, but one person touched him in desperation and faith. And then Jesus asks a question that asks for honesty in response. Who touched me? His disciples say, you see the people crowding around you and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And by the way, Jesus knows. Jesus knows, but he's waiting for this woman to acknowledge what's just happened. Says so she immediately feels something has changed. Her bleeding stops. Think about this in the context of what happens when a person is bleeding constantly for 12 years. You're going to have a person that is pale. You're going to have a person that has low energy. You're going to have a person that doesn't feel well at all, that can't function normally. 12 years is a long time to deal with this affliction. And she finds the courage, finds the energy to press into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus says, wait, who touched me? Because there was faith there. Who touched my clothes? And I can't help but, but read that simple scripture, who touched my clothes, and think about all the times that I asked that question of my younger brother. And it was not for the same reason at all. 
How many of you have younger sisters, younger brothers that constantly wore your clothes? Now, they never respected them the same way that we did. Like, I paid money for that. You can't just, he had this idea that, hey, we're hippies. What's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. Like, hey, listen here. That is some liberal weirdo stuff that we don't apply to my clothes. This is America. What's mine is mine, and I will fight you for it. Some of you are like, what kind of church do we, is he the real pastor? No, that guy will be back next week. I'm sorry. It doesn't get any better than this. I'm sorry. Who touched my clothes? Jesus feels the power going out of him. Jesus keeps looking around to see who had done it. And look at this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she comes, she falls at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the, somebody say the next two words, the whole truth. I love how Mark captures the story. Jesus wants to make sure that this woman doesn't just slip away in anonymity. You got to have the story. She comes trembling with fear. You can imagine the fear it took to even get to Jesus. Now she has fear to come back to Jesus to tell him what has happened. Maybe she's thinking to herself, if I tell him the whole story, maybe I'll go right back to where I was. He'll recognize that I've broken some laws. I've I've done things wrong. I didn't do it the way that everybody else did it because I wanted it to be a secret. She comes trembling with fear back to the feet of Jesus. And I want you to see this. Jesus responds to her honesty. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What a powerful story. There's so many great things hidden within this chapter that Mark captures. And I think one of, the, one of the most interesting things that I pick up is you see the moment of honesty after the miracle, not before. The majority of the times you're going to see Jesus asking a person, do you believe I can do this? Or do you want to be healed? We have this moment where Jesus asks for honesty and just a measure of faith. But in this moment, he asks for honesty after the miracle because there's something bigger than just getting freed from 12 years of suffering at play here. There's a testimony, there's a story. We can be content to remain anonymous with the things that God has done. God wants you to share your story. Can we be honest today? As I'm looking at this story, I wanna give you three things that are really important and I'm gonna present them to you in ways that uh, hopefully you can understand. I'm gonna be honest with you about things that I've thought in my own life, things that I will struggle with that I see in this story. I'm gonna be really honest with you and then give you a chance to be honest with yourself and honest with the Lord as well. I'll go first. Leaders, go first. So if we're being honest, number one, here's what I see. Number one, sometimes it's hard to see other people get blessed when I need help. Sometimes it's hard to watch people get the miracle that you're desperately needing. Sometimes you see somebody else get a healing. Somebody else gets a breakthrough and you're like, come on, I'm way better than them. I love God way more. God, if you knew this story, you wouldn't. Did you make a mistake? I need that. How are they healed and I'm not healed? How did they get the breakthrough? I didn't get the breakthrough. How did they get the financial blessing and I didn't get it? How did they get the thing I've been praying for, seeking you for? They got it. Come on. What makes you choose them over me? Their children got that? Come on. Their business did this? Come on. I've been asking you for that. Now, contrary to some theological circles, Jesus did not heal everybody. You act like you don't believe me. Uh, 
Think about the people that Jesus walked past at the pool of Bethesda and healed one. Think about Paul when Paul says, I've got this thorn in my flesh. You don't think he prayed about that? He said, yes, I prayed three times begging God to give me some relief from this. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul tells his spiritual son, he says, hey, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. Some of you, that's your life verse. I tattooed that on my back. Okay, we're going to help you. But don't think that Paul doesn't pray for him to get rid of these stomach issues. Of course he does. Sometimes God says there's something deeper at work here. Sometimes people don't get healed. Sometimes it doesn't come when you want. As a matter of fact, it never comes when you want. Sometimes God chooses yes. Sometimes he chooses no. Sometimes he chooses wait. Sometimes you have no idea what he's choosing. You just have to learn how to live with it. And sometimes in that learning to live with it, we get bitter, we get jaded, we get cynical. Sometimes when you've been through a lot of stuff and you don't have that relief, you don't see God coming through, you lose hope. We find this woman in the story, it says not only is she sick, but she spent all that she had. Now she's sick and broke. Either one of those at any one time is a hard enough thing to walk through. I've been broke and I've been sick. You throw sick and broke together, like, yeah, I, I, I need some help. Sometimes it's difficult to watch people get the breakthrough that you don't get. It's difficult to watch them. You want to celebrate with them. You want to be happy for them. But instead you just pretend like, oh, I'm happy for you. Oh, no one deserves it more. Can we we be honest? Let's be honest today. If we're being honest, sometimes it's hard to watch the breakthrough come when you want it. She's sick, she's broken. Her hope in doctors is long gone. Her hope in restoration is gone. It's easy to get bitter when someone gets the hope that you don't have. Bitterness and envy. Comparison. God, why? Why does their kid get the breakthrough that my kid needs? Why does their finances get the blessing that I'm desperate for? Proverbs 14 says this in verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Talks about more than just the physical ailment of what you're dealing with, but this is a spiritual thing where you can allow your heart to make a choice to be at peace. But I'm not going to be envious of what somebody else gets because it's rotting my bones. This woman has the courage to press into Jesus. And I think it's interesting that when it uses the number 12, it kind of lets us know that in this town that this woman has been seeing doctors for 12 years and has gotten no hope. Can you imagine for just a moment that she's in a hospital walking out of a room where a doctor has just given her zero hope? I can't figure out what's wrong with you. I can't help you. At the same time, there's another woman walking out carrying a new bundle of joy. A new baby girl. Here's hope. Here's a blessing. Here's an amazing time where we get to celebrate that children are a blessing from the Lord while someone right next to her is like, I wish I had that kind of hope. I've got the worst news of my life. And I'm supposed to be celebrating with you. This is the same number, 12. With the same doctors. Gives one new life and hope and encouragement. The next one gets nothing. 
and she spends all that she's had watching somebody else get blessed while she gets nothing. Sometimes it's difficult to watch that, isn't it? Sometimes it's difficult to see the breakthrough come for somebody else. But I can see blessings and I can hear stories, but until I touch Jesus myself, I'm not gonna get better. And that's the point of us having the presence of God here today is to invite you to lay aside bitterness, to lay aside worries and anxieties. Bill came up here today and presented just a moment after our worship and he wore the exact same thing as me for some reason. We, we looked at each other and we walked in and I, he's like, and I said, I'm not changing. He's like, that's what, I felt prophetic this morning. I don't know what it was. Like, yeah, okay. But we presented that moment to you of giving you a chance to be honest before the Lord. That's what worship really is about. Honest transparency before the Lord. Like, God, this is me. This is where I'm at. And I need help. And you can hear stories and you can hear miracles. You can hear the touches that other people get. But until you press into Jesus for yourself, you're not going to get better. Here's the second statement I want to give to you. Number two, the thing I see about myself. I'm going to be honest with you. Here's number two. Sometimes a good public image is more desirable to me than a miracle. Let's be honest. Sometimes I'd rather think people think that I have it all together than to know that they know my junk. They know the skeletons in my closet. They know my issue. Longview's got a major problem with this. We're all about public image and gossip. I want you to see me as perfect and see the highlight reel of my life, but I want to be able to tell you how the, the real details of somebody else's life is going. Come on, somebody. This is a gossip ridden down. It's all about gossip. Longview is too small to stay anonymous. People know. Like, they get it. I wonder if anyone can actually see that. Yes, we can all see it. You didn't cover it up as well as you thought you could cover it up. We're just trying to be nice. Sometimes a good public image is more desirable to me than a miracle. And how ridiculous is that? I have to confront this in my own self. I'll say it this way. We'd rather be thought well of falsely than to be talked about truthfully. I want you to know that my family is perfect. We got zero issues. Never had an argument. My wife and I have never had a crossword. Morning breath smells like roses. I don't need coffee. I'm just born with a desire for God that just comes alive every single morning. Okay, that's cool. That don't help me none. We'd rather be thought of falsely than for people to know the truth. Because embarrassment and honesty are hard hurdles for, get over, for us to get over. What if people knew? What would they think? Well, what if you got healed? What if God stepped in? What if God did a miracle? It's just waiting on the other side of your honesty. Jesus knows. And he gives us an opportunity to be honest. You know, one of the values that we have here as a church is the value of authenticity. And I have to model this from the top with, with our elder board. I have to model this from the top with our staff. Like it, it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to tell everyone you're okay when you're not okay. Because that creates a lot more problems for me as a pastor. Like, I, just tell me where you're at, and we'll find a way to walk through it together. But I can't help you if you're going to lie to me. And I don't help you if I'm just going to lie to you. I believe people have seen enough falsehood from the platform. People have seen enough lies, enough bragging, 
enough highlight reels from pastors. Let's be honest today. Sometimes it's difficult to watch other people getting blessed when I don't get it. And sometimes I'm more concerned with my public image than receiving a powerful touch from God. It's ridiculous, but we're being honest. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to invite you to be honest with me. What's more important? You know, Jesus' miracles have had that moment of desperation. They have some measure of faith, and they also include an opportunity for honesty. And I wonder, as, as I was putting this together this, this past week, how many miracles never happen because of pride? How many miracles don't ha- happen because we're not, a, not afraid to take any risk or be honest with God? What have we missed out on? It's a sobering thought. Here's, here's point number three. I'm gonna be honest with you today. I invite you to be honest as well. Number three, here's my statement. My experiences with Jesus are some of my best kept secrets and they shouldn't be. I have these powerful moments in my life where God did something great. And that's for more than just me. People need your story. People need what God has done through you. Even if that story is not at the finish line yet. You can be honest about the process and where you're at. Notice this. That in this moment, this woman has been bleeding for 12 years. She's not just sick, but she's broke. She's lost all hope. But it says this, powerful words. When she heard about Jesus. So somebody used their story to give her hope. And hope comes back for one more try. Hope. What a powerful thing. What a precious thing. Hope. Faith to believe that if I just touch the hem of his garment, maybe then that's all I need. I'll just, I'll sneak in, I'll sneak out. No one will ever have to know. Just a tiny bit of faith. Someone shares the story of Jesus with her. And she has hope to believe for one more try. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 that faith comes by Hearing, hearing. I wonder who needs your miracle story to get the faith to receive theirs. Sometimes it's not about you. We don't know who told her about Jesus. That person's anonymous. But we know what happens when somebody tells her about Jesus. Faith comes. And that desperation meets faith, and that brings her right to the hem of Jesus' garment. A miracle occurs, and then there's a moment of honesty. What are you going to do with the miracle? Who are you going to tell? I love how Mark gives us the details because he obviously sits down with this woman and says, wait, 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 don't be anonymous here. I need your story. Jesus stopped the crowd. You obviously got his attention. He said, your faith has healed you, but we didn't see what happened. No, no one else saw that. Apparently you touched him and just got, you touched him and got healed. He didn't touch you. You touched him. Who's touching who here? And Jesus says, your, your faith has healed you. What'd you get healed of? And she tells the whole story. And he captures it down so that our faith can come by hearing today. So that the faith that you need for your breakthrough can come through a woman who received faith when someone told her their story. 
What could yours do? Jesus wanted her miracle to be more than just a private moment. He wanted it to be a testimony. She was content to remain anonymous. She wants to sneak into the crowd, sneak out of the crowd. Let me say it this way. You can't steal a miracle from God. Miracles are given to be given away. They're gifts to be given away. As a matter of fact, almost everything that God gives, all of his gifts are to be given away. What's he given you? And how private is that? Can you be honest? Can you share your story? What has God done for you? You know, according to Levitical law, that this woman would be governed by, uh, her, her, her process of walking into a crowd would have been completely different. She's supposed to be screaming out, unclean, unclean. Now imagine if you're in a mall two years ago and somebody comes in screaming, I got COVID, I got COVID. You know, there would be a, a lot of people, you know, real quick. We don't know. We couldn't figure it out. This is what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to let people know. Remember the very first time you ever got notifications on your phone? You've been exposed to COVID. You're like, come on, man. You start looking at your friends like, which one of you will betray me? Which one of The one who's dipped their bread into my cup has now given me COVID. This is what's supposed to happen. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And now every single person that she's touched is also unclean. According to Levitical law, you've infected everybody. And she touches the hem of his garment, tries to get out without letting everybody know you're all unclean. By the way, you can't touch a rabbi. That's against the law. You can't approach him being unclean. That's against the law. You can't be in crowds of people. That's against the law. But Jesus takes this moment and says, no, 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 you're not gonna remain anonymous. I'm gonna take that faith that you walk through the crowd with and that thing that made you unclean and infected everybody, I'm gonna reverse the curse and use that testimony to change the world. What a powerful thing that Jesus does when we get honest about what he's done for us. What has he done for you? This woman had to overcome a lot of fear to just get to Jesus' garment. Then she had to overcome a lot of fear to come back and be honest with him about what just happened to her. We applaud her faith. We don't recognize the fear that it took her to overcome to get to his presence. You know, we've been taught a lot the past couple of years. Uh, if you have faith, then fear has to leave. That's not true. That's not true at all. Faith doesn't drive out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. As a matter of fact, I found my moments of greatest faith are in the moments of my deepest fears. I am afraid. Absolutely, I'm afraid. But I choose to listen to a different voice. Let me say it this way. Steps of faith don't eliminate fear. They just speak louder than the fear. What if I get healed? What if he touches me? Am I afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm going to do it anyway. Because I've got a little bit of faith to believe if I can just touch the presence of God, that he can do what his word says he can do. And here's hope. Here's faith. Meeting desperation. Meeting Jesus. You know, it takes faith to be healed, and it takes another step of faith to share your story. I want you to think for a moment. Um, as a matter of fact, if you just humor me, if you're watching online, humor me for just a second if you would. I'm not gonna do anything weird. Uh, would you just close your eyes? 
Now, the single greatest thing that God has ever done for any human being is salvation, giving us grace. The cross is the greatest thing God could ever give you. But I want you to think for just a moment, close your eyes, forget about the people next to you, what is the second greatest thing that God's ever done for you? What is that miracle, that time that God came through, the time that he answered a prayer, the time that something happened? Other people might have called it coincidence. Some people might have called it good luck, but you knew it was something different. Now, if you've got one of those moments in mind, we just slip one hand up in the air. Just one hand. I, I remember that. God did that for me. Now, with your hands still up in the air, keep it up. Would you open up your eyes and look around you? We've got a room full of miracles. There's a lot of powerful stories of things that God has done. I could have shared this message with nothing but miracles that God has done in my life. Take me from being an addict and a screw-up, somebody that hated God and hated church, to watch him do that in my life, to bless me with a family after I'd burned my marriage down, to give me a chance to open up his word and speak to people. I am so unworthy. If God can do that in me, how in the world who am I to keep that a secret? That's some of the greatest things God's ever done for me. Are they embarrassing? Yes, but it doesn't define me anymore. That's my story. That's my testimony. Revelation tells me that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the lamb is still good. And so is your testimony. There's what Jesus has done and how you respond, how you tell the story. Now, I'm believing if I've done my job correctly, my job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work that God has called you to do. So you're not here to hear me talk about my stories. You're here to get the faith to share your own. And I want to challenge you. I want to push you this week to do the work. There are going to be moments that the Holy Spirit is going to divinely ordain for you this week where people are going to hand you an opportunity on a silver platter to share your story. And in that moment, you're going to have to decide something. Is my story, my testimony, what Jesus did for me, is that politically incorrect? When did sharing the gospel of Jesus, when did sharing the miracles of Jesus, when did sharing the love of Jesus become offensive? It's a lie. That's not the truth. His word says you're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set me free to do what? To share the truth. This is what God did for me, what he did for my family. I may still be in process. I may not have it all worked out. I'm certainly not perfect, but I'm being honest with you. It changed my life. Faith comes by hearing. And when people hear faith, they get faith. And they can change the world. I'm proof of that. You're proof of that. What could God do with your story and a little bit of honesty, a little bit of risk? You're the church. I'm giving you a challenge this week to not ignore the Holy Spirit, but to take advantage of the moments that he gives you chances to share your story. You may say, well, I'm not a very good storyteller. I don't really have all the details worked out. Let me just tell you, nobody's good until you've done it for a long time. You should have heard my first couple of sermons. It was bad. I might have cussed. I don't know. 
It's kind of a blank. I just passed out and woke up and four people got saved. I'm like, I think that was good. I, I don't know. We'll see. Wait for the emails on Monday morning. You got to practice. Now, here's one thing that I've learned. I could practice on my family. Like, hey, I'm gonna share my story with you. Try to do it in like three minutes. I don't wanna embarrass anybody with the details and I don't wanna you know, say the wrong names and, and hurt anybody's feelings, but here's my story. What do you think? And just have them give you some feedback. If you can do that with people that you know love you, then you can practice on people that you know need the love of God. People that you love them enough to tell them the truth. Let somebody give you some feedback. But you can't live your life as a Christian in that anonymity, in secret. There's no such thing. There's no secret agent Christians. The world doesn't need that same bull anymore. That's not going to work. That's pre-COVID thinking. We're in the end game, my friends. Get up. Share your story. Get up and share your story. The world needs it. They need it, and you need to share it. It's too good. You've come too far. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me as we finish up today? I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer. The prayer is, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? That's it. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? For some in this room, the Holy Spirit is screaming at you, it's time to believe again. It's time to get your hopes up one more time. Believe me, God says. Believe me. Believe me. Believe me. For others, God reminded you of a miracle that he did for you. And I believe he's telling you, listen to me. This week, share your story. Share your story. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Let me pray for you. Father, for every person walking through times of desperation, for every person walking through pain and sickness, for every person that's lost hope, for every person that's too afraid to believe, it hurts too much to get my hopes up anymore. I pray that right now that you would give them a heart of flesh. Give them some faith to believe that you are just as good as your word says you are. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You haven't changed. You haven't gotten weaker. We believe. For others, I pray that that faith would give them courage to share their story this week and to watch what only you can do through the power of their story. Would you bless them? Would you strengthen and help them? In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, if I'm going to be honest with you, I've been away from God for a long time. I've gotten so far away from God, I need to come home. My friend, you're in the right place and this is your day. I'm going to help you for others of us, you'd say, Pastor, I don't have this whole God thing worked out. I don't know if I've ever, ever really accepted Jesus 
never really had a relationship with God. My friend, you're in the right place too. I'm gonna help you. If that's you, I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer with me. It's not a magical prayer, it's a prayer of faith. I'll help you, I'll tell you what to say. But if you want a relationship with Jesus, if you need to come home to him, pray with me right now, right where you are, say this. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Come on, friend, pray with me. I believe that you came, you died, you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I give my life to you. I'm all in. Thank you for what you did for me. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. My friend, if you actually just prayed that prayer, you're not ashamed of it or afraid to admit it, would you just give me a quick wave all across this place? That was me, pastor. I said it. I did it. Good. I see you. Good. I see you, young man. Anybody else? I did that. That was me. Good. I see you, young man. Good for you. Good for you. So proud of you and the steps that you've just taken. Let me just tell you, this is not the end of your walk with God. This is the beginning. And as a church, we, we bear the weight of the responsibility of helping you take the next step. So you've taken one. Can you take the next one? What are you asking me to do, Pastor? Here's what I'm asking you to do. Text me. Text the words, I prayed, to 844-HRC-TEXT. I'm gonna send you some stuff that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. Let us help you. If you're watching online, would you just type in the chat, I prayed? Would you text us as well? 844-HRC-TEXT. Text the words, I prayed. We wanna help you. We believe that right on the other side of your phone or your computer screen, that God's doing a work in your heart. We wanna be a part of that. We wanna help you. It's all free. It's our gift to you. I'm proud of you. Good for you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and look up at me and stand to your feet if you would. Hope that you enjoyed hearing from God's word as much as I did today. I have our elders and their wives coming forward. These guys are gonna be here and remain here to pray with you about anything that you might need prayer about. Also to remind you, Beast Feast. Friday, May the 13th, It's going to be amazing. So, uh, ladies, please, make your husband come. Threaten him. Whatever it takes. (laughs) Just kidding. No, I'm not. Whatever it takes. We want to see men go first. We want to see them get free, especially of sexual sin. We believe that you can do this. We want to help. And there's some guys willing to get honest about things like pornography and sexual sin so that you can get honest and we can get free. If God did it for me, he can do it for you. It's not even that difficult. The enemy wants you to think you can't have victory. Yes, you can, and we're gonna help you. Beast Feast will help you. Plus, you get to eat six alligators. What more do you want? Let me pray for you and bless you as we send you out today. Father, I thank you for my friends. I pray that they would have an incredible week following after you all week long in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you as you go. Share the video if you'd like. God bless. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, Connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.